Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Be a part of it with Scott's Menswear, the go-to destination for sports fashion. With a reputation spanning over 30 years, Scott's has a mega brand catalogue featuring Adidas Originals, Nike, Fred Perry, Pretty Green, and many more. Here at RGM, we love the support that they offer us and the music-loving community around us. Check them out at scottsmenswear.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the RGM podcast with me, Carl Maloney. Here for another week of chat and that. Yeah, this is the podcast. We're here. We go again. How we doing, you eight? Yeah, this week we've got Jed Salesbury, comedian, on his hands again, ladies and gentlemen. Fresh off BBC Three's The Naked Truth, um, where he had to stand in front of strangers nude. <laughs> we talk about that. I'm fascinated with how you <laughs> approach something like that. But Jed's coming up shortly, we'll have a chat about that in a bit. As always, we like to catch up a little bit before the interview. See what's going on in the RGM world. I've had a few days off. I needed it. Um, A break is always nice. And I've been across the pond in Belfast for a few days, ladies and gentlemen. Really enjoyed Belfast, right good. Um, Don't believe all the news hype about... uh, airports and stuff it's uh, it's not that bad we got there three hours early we only needed it took us about an hour to get through not too bad from manchester yeah it's all good it's all good and that was on that was on thursday like the, the first bank holiday day so it was it's gonna be a busy day uh, so that was good straight through um oh we did loads of things out there we had a good night out at the races uh, we did. Um, oh, went to that Titanic Museum. We'll look about there. Went to the Ulster Museum. Learned about the troubles and a bit of history of the the old place. But what amazing, vibrant city Belfast is. Really enjoyed it. Thankful for a break. Um, but we're back now, ready to go again. All energized. And can't wait to crack on. Yeah, loads of things on RGM this week. Uh, we've just brought out a killers a review of the Killers gig in Southampton. Loads of gigs that have gone on in Manchester. There's a lot of live reviews this week, ladies and gentlemen. Live at Leeds in the park. Uh, there's going to be a review of that coming out. Well, it'll be out by the time this podcast is there. Um, festivals, festivals, festivals. Neck of the Woods Festival next weekend. Live at Leeds this weekend. Uh, we've got a, a, the, the live team is growing nicely on RGM more people all over in different pockets of the country uh, are out there enjoying festivals sorting them the old festival pass out so they can go out and uh, enjoy the festival and report to you guys our RGM friendly listeners We're just keeping you up to date with what's going on out there and speaking of it festival uh, in August the Edinburgh Fringe uh, returns uh, we have a chat with Jed Salesbury a comedian who's up there 
Yeah, he's uh, he's going up with a group of uh, comedians um, and just having it up in Edinburgh. Can't wait for that. And we are covering Edinburgh for, uh, Fringe this year as well again. Comedy content keeps coming for you, ladies and gentlemen, here at RGM. Um, so I'll let Jed talk about the Edinburgh Fridge thing. Jed Salesby, comedian. Let's go. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new episode of the RGM Experience podcast. With me, Carl Maloney, the host. Here I am again with a new guest. And as I keep banging on about, we're going to have more comedians because they're great guests. So the pressure's on. With today's guest, Jed Salesbury. Hi, mate. Hi, pal. You all right? Yeah. Uh, I, I feel real pressure now. <laughs> I did that with Scott. When I interviewed Scott Bennett, I said the same thing. And he's like, oh, cheers, mate. Nice one for that. <laughs> Pressure's straight on. Um, but you know, it, it, the main reason why I like interviewing comedians is that, you know, there's, there's always a story. To, it, it, you're, you're always looking for something funny and 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 that never proper stops as a comedian i would have thought from from doing it myself and drive, driving myself mad uh, when i used to do it ages ago you kind of get into a mindset where everything is possibly funny around oh you. mate it's it's a gift and a curse yeah uh, you know i mean like i tell people i'm not a comedian what happens is sometimes i tell jokes yeah. and people laugh and sometimes i tell jokes and i ruin granddad's funeral that's how it goes <laughs> that's that's how it, it, your mind just constantly no matter what is happening it yeah. could be something great it could, could be something bad you're like hmm i wonder where the punchline in all this is yeah you know what i mean you're going through real trauma and you're like oh where's the plot twist where, where can i make this funny it must be a nice state of mind though do you know with all the negativity that's going on in the world and you know you just have to watch the news and it's just fucking depressing so it must be nice to whatever you see always looking for the funny side of things uh it's give and take sometimes (laughs) it's daunting the world is a horrible place especially this year and the past couple of years you have you're watching the news and you know you're watching horrible horrific events yeah we're living through generally dire times and you're like Glad I don't have to make this funny. You know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of them where you're like, oh, I don't know where to start with some of this. And, yeah. you know, you've got to wade through the shit to find yeah. some gold to tell people. But sometimes you just look at things and you go, yeah. I'm not going to touch that. That's that's for someone better than me. Like like what? What, what, would, you, what would, like, put you off, like, attempting to write oh. a bit about? The thing... I will never get put off writing a bit about anything. Yeah. I will attempt to write anything. Honestly, if you find, if I leave my notebook at a gig and the wrong person finds it, it's mm. going to sound like a manifesto. <laughs> That's what it's going to sound like. Um, I try to keep away from like national tragedies. I wouldn't yeah. obviously mention like anything in the sort of main news I keep away from. Yeah. Just because. You don't know who's in your audience. You don't know how it's affected people. And, you know, people are coming out to forget the dark times mainly. You don't want a reminder of them. Well, it, well I want to get into a bit of background before we kick into today's events. Uh, oh, you've not got my uh, background check from the police back up yet because... It's, it's not come back yet, mate. It's it's cost oh me a God. lot of money though to get to try and get access to it. Um but yeah. uh to try and penetrate that wall that you've that, that hidden stuff that you've that dark <laughs> shit that you've got somewhere, mate. It's it's hard. I'll be honest, it's worth it. It's a good read. Is it? Okay. It's a very good read. 
Put we'll, Harry Potter to shame. We'll post it on our gym when it all comes through because it's it, yeah. it, it, it's all it, it's global it's global yeah. stuff. Some real dark global stuff going on. So uh, maybe keep it to yourself. I, I do have a career <laughs> that I don't want to ruin. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So <laughs> I had the pleasure about nine or ten years ago to meet you at uh, a couple of gigs when I was playing at it uh, a long time ago, um, and I used to travel with a guy called Danny Danny Cox, who I think you knew him a bit more back in the day. He's a drummer for a band in Sheffield now. He don't do comedy yeah. Um but. Yeah, it, it, nine or ten years ago, I think it was Mr. Ben's in Leeds where I saw you mainly. Um, nice little venue, that shame that's not around anymore, isn't it? Yeah, Mr. Ben's was like great. It was the first sort of place a newer act could start kind yeah. of getting weekend work for pro level, mm. uh, and it was really good. And it was like, ironically, the 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 the, the crux of it is just as I was making that progress, the club closed down. But yeah. Uh, genuinely, when I think of comedy, I think of Mr. Ben's. I, th- I genuinely think of a great time. It's where I met some of my comedy best friends, and it's where yeah. like bonds were made. Yeah, definitely. I can remember meeting Sully O'Sullivan. There. He used to host the gigs there, and he was just amazing. Um, yeah. and, and and just like just meeting loads of new people that were just trying out the first five minutes that they might have ever even thought of. Yeah. Uh, the gong shows, you- of course, that they used to have there. They were great days. Yeah. Yeah, I tell you what, it's crazy now. I, I often find now, like Sully, take Sully for example. Mm. It's weird because when I first saw Sully, I was in awe of him. Mm. He's an incredible MC. His timing's on point. He's so confident. Mm. And now he's just a workmate and it's blown my mind. Mm. Like a bit of me has to, like, I get really imposter syndrome in some green rooms because mm. I'm like, 10 years ago, yeah. I was I saw you and was like, oh my god, I'll never be this good. And now I'm on the same bill. And you're yeah. like, what if they find out I'm just that like guy who <laughs> tripped did the gong and only just made five minutes and then they don't actually let me on anymore? <laughs> so, so you know, to get anywhere in comedy, you've got to be in it for the long run. And yeah, you know, I I knew you when you were. I think you were just starting off ten nine or ten years ago. Is that how long you've been in the game? Uh, yeah, take off, uh, take off lockdown is about that, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, so where does the drive to continue doing it come from within you? Oh, I've got nothing else. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> no, um, there, there's, it's, it's one of them things of it doesn't ma- matter. When I first started, mm. I did maybe a gig a month and was mm. like, oh, I'm going to be a comedian. Mm. And then like fast forward three years and I was no, no progress. And I was just faffing around and I was like, I really need to start taking this serious. So I started gigging. Um, what made you, what, what, what made your mind turn there? Sorry if you can hear uh, a noise, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I'm having a new kitchen fitted and somebody's drilling downstairs. So if you can hear that, I do apologize. But yeah, where did the drive for you like to make that decision where I'm going to take this more seriously? Where did that like span from? I got a real job. I'll be honest. I okay. Uni. Yeah. I got a real job. It was in a call center. And I remember I met, I lasted three weeks mm. in this call center. Yeah. And I remember just like, I remember being really bummed because I, I just got a gig spot in Rob Rouse. Mm. And he was one of my like favorites in comedy. He still is lovely guy. Again, work with him casually now blows yeah. my mind. Yeah. But um, I remember like thinking, Oh my God, I won't be able to do that gig. And they fired me. And honestly, I went and did that gig and I did really well. And then Rob was really nice afterwards. And I was like, yeah, this is what I want. This is yeah. what I've got to take serious. And then, you know, you come ambitious and you're like, all right, cool. So maybe I'm going to be on TV. Maybe I'm going to be this. And, you know, now I, you know, you, you put your heart into it and sometimes you get very burnt. 
And so now I've had to, not, not that I'm not amb- ambitious and I don't want that, but now I've very much squared myself of, I started comedy because someone said I was funny yeah. and I had no plan or goal in comedy. I just enjoyed it. Mm. I have to remind myself that's why I'm doing comedy because I love it, not because I've got this crazy ambition to take over the world in comedy. Mm. So, you know, to keep doing it for all these years and sp- particularly at the start when I was just playing around at it for a bit, where you're just developing five minutes, you're traveling all over the country to do five minutes to do gong shows where you might be booed off in three minutes. Mm. <laughs> you know, it, it, it takes a certain mentality to, to keep going with it. I'm always, I'm always intrigued what makes you carry on with it. It's just, it intrigues me. For me, the start of it wasn't, it was the friends. Like, mm. it sounds stupid, but like, we made, uh, there was a small group of whole comedians and we're still all, in touch today and but like we made friends and we yeah. you know you'd see friends on the road i'd bump into people i really like and i really loved that side of it like that's mm. the, the best part for me mm. um and i think that was a good motivator to start because you'd be like oh, i really don't want a gig but it's going to be a good four hours in the car with these guys and that's always a laugh so yeah. let's do that and then you know as you start making progress you get better and you get a bit more confident in yourself mm. and then you see the challenges that comedy provide and you're like yeah Let's do this. Yeah. So what's been one of your favorite challenges, you know, being on the road? Um, I'll tell you what the most recent challenge is actually coming back mm. is when I first started comedy, I was a young guy. I started when I was 19. Mm. So I, I smashed university gigs and, and, and younger crowds. But when I got to older crowds, I had nothing for them. Mm. And now coming back from comedy, I don't know what happened in lockdown, but I've become the old guy. Okay. And so so now it's it's I can do the older audiences, you know, I, I can yeah. work with them, but trying to reconnect with the young kids uh, and get down with them uh, and stuff, it's just become much more not difficult because we're we're yeah. we're in different stages of our lives now, I guess. No, I, I I understand that. Just from an RGM point of view, we always try and connect with younger audiences and find new audiences all the time, which everybody's trying to do. If in the entertainment game, yeah. I suppose, even international audiences we're, we're picking up, but the younger crowd they're harder to they're harder to, harder to grab, aren't they? They've got they they've got the they seem to have their head screwed on a lot more than when I was young these days. I, I do notice there's a lot less younger gigs around as well, mm. uh, especially post lockdown. Comedy's been very much a Mister and Mrs on a night out thing. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's because people spent two years locked up and you know. If I was going to go out on a night out, I probably wouldn't choose comedy. I'd go see my mates in the pub. Mm. Maybe, maybe you know, the Mr. and Mrs. have spent two years locked up together. Like, let's go <laughs> listen to someone else talk for a bit. Yes, that'd be nice. Yeah, yeah well, you know, I've, I've just seen, because I'm from Sheffield originally, they, they, Sheffield's got new comedy clubs popping up. Uh, Ruffles, great there. I've been down there a few times after lockdown. Uh, and just seeing the great work that Harriet Dyer does down there and seeing that, those type of gigs. It, it, you know, after being, you know, cooped up and not being allowed to do comedy. I know when I spoke to Tom Bins, he started doing gigs on top of his van and that kind of stuff. He just carried on doing it, but it must be a good release now just to be back and just to not have those shackles around you anymore. You can just crack on again with life. Yeah, I, I mean, I hit comedy really hard when I got back. I did. Uh, there was a gap in between lockdowns and I, I smashed. 
as more gigs in that time than I think anyone else did. Did you do uh, the Zoom? I, did you do the Zoom type gigs as well? Uh, I did a couple of Zoom gigs. For me, there's no passion in the Zoom gigs. Yeah. Uh, in the nicest way, they were great. I'm sure it helps a lot of people, and some people really liked them. For me, I need that constant energy feedback. I, I I'm a talker. I'm a, an improver. I, I I I mix with a crowd. Mm. Um, Zoom gigs just felt felt a bit horrible. Felt a bit like faceless, and it felt mm. like honestly, like I'd do them for the money if the money was right. But then there was not it, it, that became not what I got into comedy for. Yeah, you know what I mean. It was very much a a job. Like oh, I need yeah. to do this because I need to pay my phone bill. Yeah. It wasn't oh, I need to do this because it's there's something innate inside me that yearns for this. It was just yeah, it was just a weird time really. I can imagine. So, like, as a you know, are, are you are, are you a full time professional comedian now? Is that the status that you're at? Uh, yeah, I guess I, I make all of my money in comedy. Um, I don't know if you know full time professional. You know, there's full time professionals out there that have houses and mortgages. And, uh, <laughs> okay. I'm coming from you live from my mum's spare room, so. <laughs> okay. Uh, that is like half decorated, half cracked. Then I don't know if you can see this. <laughs> okay. It's a job in progress. Yeah. Uh, the main reason I didn't do Zoom gigs because I'm like, oh wow, this guy's coming <laughs> from you live from his mum's spare room. Uh, you can hear my dad downstairs shouting at the telly. Yeah. It, it was just one of them uh, experiences, but yeah. So yeah, I am full time in comedy. It's how I, I make my living yeah. and stuff. So what's like a, a normal week for a comedian look like for you? Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, pretty boring. Uh, yeah. That's my weekend. That's comedian's weekend. Mm. Uh, Thursday becomes a new act, newer act, uh, new material night type thing, mm. or maybe like a Thursday gig comparing. Friday night, uh, the start of the weekend. So maybe you'll go to the club and spend sat Friday, Saturday there, mm. or you'll do two different nights in two different cities, mm. and then Sunday night usually a quiet night maybe a sunday afternoon gig and then back home yeah. uh to repeat the week that's it so, uh this week this weekend is a very weird weekend for me i've got a got a kid show on the friday day for jubilee mm. and then i believe i'm at the raf barracks on the friday night yeah. and then this saturday i've got a job a corporate job hosting yorkshire pole dancing competition nice. uh so it's a very weird week this weekend <laughs> And honestly, every week can look like that. I, I yeah. like when I say, I never say I'm a full time co- comedian. I always try to say I make my money in comedy because yeah. it, I never know what I'm going to be doing. I can do some very weird gigs in my time. Yeah. So, how, how do you keep the, the pipeline going? Do you have a strict, uh, like, I'm, I'm always fascinated when I because Scott Bennett, we've had a, a, as a guest on, he's he announces like from like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, and he probably has Monday, Tuesday off like yourself. Um, but it, it just surprises me how how you keep the pipeline of gigs active, so you know that you've got always got work coming in. How, how do you manage all the the boring side of it, the management side of it? Oh, the admin side, we've got forums. You have a comedy CV. Yeah. It's like applying for jobs every week, and honestly, mm. uh, it's a bit horrible. You're full time self employed. Mm. Uh, you're constantly on your phone, making sure works, uh, mm. and you know you're trying to fill up your diary as best as possible. Some people have agents. Yeah. I'm currently not signed. Yeah. Um, but even then you are, you've got to, you've got to work out. All right. Say this gig's in Liverpool. Can I get there? Yes. Can I afford to get there? Yes. Uh, um, 
will the money will I make money? Yes. And you've got to kind of keep working yeah. that type of thing out. Um but yeah, it is constant every day. Bar I need this MC, you've got them got to apply. Hope you get it. It's uh it's genuine an everyday slog. Your 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 mind is I think anyone that is self employed is like that. Yeah. You don't know how to switch off and you don't know how to turn off. And I think when lockdown happened, that's what hit a lot of comedians. Uh, for the first couple of weeks, that was the hardest time. Was mm. just stopping, yeah. just stopping was terrible, and it's something I need. Something I need to learn to do more for my own mental health and physical health. But there is that constant, you know, the legs feed the wolf, and you've got to keep running. Yeah, that, I, I can relate to that. I've I've got a day job, but on top of the day job, I run RGM. Uh, I do that mm. on top of the day job, so it's always, you know, out of you know the day job type of things. You know, there's always emails coming in there's always people asking you questions about stuff there's always and that goes on into the night and then you wake yeah. up in the morning you've got all these emails again so you, you crack on with them again and it, it's very hard to switch off and i've i need to get better at that and i don't know how to do it to be honest no i think it's you know i think people are like oh comedy is glamorous and you're like you think it's glamorous because you see the 20 30 minutes I'm on stage mm. you don't see the amount of admin work I've got to do the amount of script work I've got to do the amount of writing I've got to do because you've also got to keep your material clean you've got to do your admin you've got yeah. to you've got to make sure things are you know it, it's a constant slog and it's you know it is a full-time job to maintain that and you know and some people maintain that as well as having a full-time job and it's good on them like that they, they must be exhausted this you know what I mean yeah, it's, it's definitely tough. So, you, so you say you've got to keep your material clean. Talk me through what. Oh, through just that. I don't mean clean as in. Well, sometimes I do. I, I have a kids show uh, as well yeah, as sure. a, 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 a adult set. But yeah, by clean I just mean like fresh. You've got to you know right. okay. you've got to know it. You've got to you've got to believe in it. And mm. so you know you're still working on it constantly to make it better. I mean, you don't have one idea, say it on stage, and then that's golden. You then got to edit it yeah. and keep pushing forward. And, you know, I don't want to be one of these comedians that's phoning in the same set from mm. 20 years ago. I yeah. want to be that working comedian that has something new to say. Yeah, I like it. So the, the latest special to, to get everybody talking about after Dave Chappelle's one was Ricky Gervais' new special. Have you had a chance to see that yet? Uh, no, and I probably wouldn't. Wouldn't you? Uh, not a fan. No, uh, not really. Um, not not a fan. Like I like some mm. of his stuff. Just I don't care enough. <laughs> like okay. it sounds horrible, but mm. a lot of people kicked off about it. And my opinion is, don't watch it. Don't mm. don't tweet it. Don't. It's the same with the jubilee things going on this weekend. Don't attend. Yeah, that's that's my advice. If you don't believe in something, don't. The more you like, I would have only heard a Ricky. I only heard a Ricky basically. Sure. Bear in mind, I'm in the industry. The only reason mm. I knew he had a new special out is because I went on Twitter and saw complaints about it. <laughs> okay. Uh, if no one had said anything, I wouldn't have noticed. Mm. I wouldn't have took, took any care in him, but tech, took any care of it. And it's one of them, like, I'm, I get it, it's very offensive when people are hair. And, you know, me personally, I wouldn't want to subject that onto people. Mm. But you know who Ricky Gervais is and you know what to expect. Yeah. It's not shocking news that his new put. His new special has transphobic material in it. Mm. It's not shocking to me. So just don't give it the energy that he clearly wanted back from it. Mm. 
Look, I, I find it really interesting. A lot of comedians now are fighting back about cancel culture and that kind of stuff. And in general terms, and I watch a lot of American comedians, I think they do it more. Um, is they, they always seem to be a bit in their set where uh, they're fighting back the, the, the culture of cancel culture and, the, and they're, they're having a, a say. I, I love how they're fighting back against people trying to cancel people for having a different opinion than what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I find that fascinating in, in the comedy world. Well, this is it. People are like, oh, D- Dave Chappelle's cancelled. Mm. Uh, and you're like, no, he's still doing arena tours. He's not cancelled. <laughs> yeah. Ricky Gervais isn't cancelled. Yeah. Uh, Louis C.K. not cancelled. Yeah. He just want to... Um, you know, and I, a bit of me is like, there's no such thing as cancel culture. Um, really, it's... I always think of this. Uh, the, it, it comes to this. I want to say what I want to say. Okay, mm. cool. Um it's going to offend some people. All right, then. Well, I'm not going to give you the stage that or the arena that I created to do that because yeah. I don't want to offend my audience. You can't do that. You're canceling me. No, I'm just not giving you the platform that I want, mm. that I've created. Go create your own platform. That is simply it. Mm. And, you know, people talk about cancel culture, even some of the English comedians. I often find the people that are raving the most are probably the ones that deserve to be canceled okay. <laughs> because, you know... There is a bit of me, the comedians, where we're like, we're not fun. We should be able to say what we want. But also, I grew up on a state in Hull. I'm very aware of chat shit get hit. Yeah. Like, that's the way it goes. Yeah. Like, if you want to say what you want, accept the consequences. Yeah. I'd, I like that. And, you know, cancel culture, woke culture. For me, it's all about people trying to block a point of view. And, and that in itself is is wrong. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. And you bang right. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to say, something controversial or, or or touch on some hot spots that are in the media that week, then you've got to be prepared for the consequences of, of that. And the consequences of that is that people, you know, they're going to react to it in a certain way on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and you know, um, and, and, and you, you're saying, oh, Ricky Gervais did this. He's got an editor. He's got a manager. Mm. They could have took that stuff out any time. Yeah. They didn't want to. Mm. He went ahead with it. He knew what controversy it was called. He knew the reputation he had. And he went ahead with it anyway. And he doesn't care. He got paid for it. And mm. Netflix, I'm sure the views are very high on it. It's it's in the top Netflix, 10. So Netflix came out after the David Chappelle thing and said, we're not going to cancel anybody. Because they come under a lot of pressure to... Uh, they had people storming out of their offices, allegedly, um, after certain things that Dave, Dave Chappelle said on his latest special. Um, so but yeah. they've come out and said, like, you know, whatever happens, we're not going to be cancelling anybody, which, you know, it, it, it's fair comment too, isn't it? You know? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. It's their, The thing is, you know, it's their platform. Mm. They've created that platform. If they want to put that stuff on it, good for them. Mm. What you then do is go find an alternative platform to watch. Yeah. It's, if you're at a festival and the band's on you don't like, you'll go to a different stage. Mm. You, you know what I mean? It's just simple as that. And, you, you know, I, I, that's as simple as I get it. I'm not, you know, I, mean, I watch lots of things that I find offensive, all this, you know, this stuff that I don't agree with. I just walk away from it or, you know, I'm not going to go tweet about it. I just don't care. Enough. Do you think people enjoy being offended by stuff these days? <laughs> I think so. I think there is a, I think a lot of people get offended on behalf of other people as well. And, yeah. you know, there's stuff where, there'll always be someone offended you you could do 
a non-offensive, clean, 20-minute comedy set that kids love, adults love, mm. and your nan loves, right? Great, absolutely great. You're that universal comedian. You're Mrs. Brown Boys. Oh, well, Mrs. Brown Boys is shit, isn't it? Yeah. Why? Oh, well, you know, it's just not funny. Well, it's getting millions of views. Yeah. It's it's universally loved by all generations, which you couldn't do, mm. but it's shit. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that is shit. That is. <laughs> yeah. It's it's one of them. It's you're always gonna upset someone. You're not gonna be everyone's taste. And I think when you first start comedy, that's a bit of pill to swallow as well. You want all audiences to like you, and then you go, actually, no. Nah. No, I'm fine. I'll I'll create my own uh, own audience, yeah. and that's much better because you create your own audience. You then can say what you want, and you know there's some guys on the circuit right now that have done that marvelously, and good for them. They've got the perfect audience. Yeah, we we, we see it sometimes because we you know when we review music and that kind of stuff on on RGM, sometimes that gets a little bit of a backlash, and people try and have a go at you for you know whatever their reasons are for having a go at you, and it's it's as long as you know you're doing it for the right reasons and you're prepared to uh stand up for your own um i don't know uh your own what's the word i'm looking for stand up for your own um you know conviction com- that's the word i'm looking for mate thank you, I'll there you go. stand up for your own convictions and just you know have a reason behind everything that you do which we do at rgm then fuck them yeah that's simply <laughs> it if you can justify your opinion, yeah, and even if it's as simple as I just like it, that is fair enough. Yeah. That is absolutely fair enough. The only time I've ever tried people to not be what they want to be or not do what they want to do or say what they want to say mm. are times when you meet a new act and they're like, I'm just going to be like Frankie Boyle and say offensive shit and i yeah. go you don't want to do that yeah <laughs> and i'm like why i was like because you might do well in front of your friends you might do well at the next gig mm. but eventually you're not gonna do well yeah because frankie boyle's frankie boyle and people know what they're getting yeah people on a day-to-day experience don't want to hear horrible shit mm. and that's the only time i'll ever try i don't, I don't stop them i don't yeah. but i tell them that's what's gonna happen I, I can remember seeing comedians on gong shows where they just try and offend quite quick. Yeah. Uh, and there's some and people it, that love it. I've yeah. seen people with horrible material win <laughs> gong shows because some of the yeah. someone, the right people, the right card or the right group yeah. of friends really liked them. I can remember seeing uh, when we, me and Danny did a comedy store in Manchester, that, their gong show, and somebody walked on with a bag like full of brown stuff. As if they're, like, just shit in a bag. Like, he he got through a couple of rounds and, like, with with horrible material, but I think the bag of shit got him through that. Comedy's a strange world, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. (laughs) It's it's the craziest thing. You can see anyone on any night can have a great gig. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I don't know if anyone can have a great career, but anyone (laughs) can have a great gig. I love it, I love it. So one, one thing that, happened for me after doing stand-up is that opportunities come up and opportunities from from places you'd never you know even think of you know you've mentioned some of the gigs that you've got coming up this weekend some quite a bit random stuff that that come your way i fell into hosting 
music gigs after doing stand-ups. I thought they thought I'd be good at it. I was. That got me uh, putting on live gigs in Sheffield. I needed somewhere to interview bands. A website started. I ended up having a magazine that I'd never planned to do. Uh, so comedy kind of got me in back into music again, which, you know, I love. And I've ended up with this magazine thing that I never saw happening. Um, I did loads of stuff like, you know, getting onto Halifax adverts and stuff like that. You know, it, it just yeah. loads of mad stuff. Uh, and you've had a couple of opportunities on the old TV as well, mate, haven't you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I've uh, I've had a weird a reality TV career. Yeah, I've, uh, I've done three TV shows. Yeah. Um, most of them are uh, about um, obesity and body positivity and stuff like yeah. that. Um, but yeah, they've been very weird experiences. I did one called the naked truth where I was naked and then 2.4 million people saw me naked. And that's something I never prepared for. Just, just I did talk co- me th- just to, just to pause on that experience for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> just talk me through how, did you know that were coming up? It was like a script for that. Uh, no, well, I knew what was happening. That was such a crazy one, right? So I saw the advert <laughs> for it. I wasn't that interested. Yeah. I then got tagged in on the Friday night and they rang me. But at this point it was a Friday night and it was my, my Friday off. Yeah. I was out drinking with friends. Yeah. So like I told my friends and they're like, mate, you've got to do that. <laughs> Think of the material alone. And I yeah. go, yeah, that's going to be a cool experience. Four shades to the wind type thing. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. Next thing I know, it's Monday. I'm down in London. Mm. I'm naked in front of crew of 14 people and getting interviewed about my life and it's just like how did one thing lead to another so like just to have that experience because you know being nude <laughs> is is you know it's not a nice thing in front of strangers is it no how, how did they sell how did they sell it to you like when you like you arrived at the venue in london like right nudity, nudity honest, please a bit, i knew the nudity was gonna happen because yeah. they didn't explain it so it was just fed. And then I don't know, a bit of me was just like... On the train down, there, thinking, I'm going to be nude in a bit. I'm going to be nude in a bit. I'm going to be nude in a bit. Yeah, it was <laughs> such a... You know what? The filming of it wasn't a, a bad thing. It, it was it was all yeah. right. They were nice people and, you know, they took good care of me. And it was such a, a weird sort of experience. Mm. I tell you what the worst thing about it was. I remember it coming out and I remember going, oh, fuck, I've just ruined my life. Like that is, yeah. I remember it coming out and, you know, I've always been a big guy and I've always been someone who's hidden back behind jokes in like, you open my jokes, there's insecurities yeah. there. And I remember just going, oh, now I'm very vulnerable for the whole world to see. Yeah. Um, and it went live and I mean, there's a lot of negative stuff around it, you know, it occasionally pops up again mm-hmm. and just some of the comments are absolutely horrible, but actually the amount of messages and personal messages i received from people saying i feel like you thank you for speaking out nice. actually made it all worth it in the long run but i remember when it first came out i was like oh that's me then and i'm never leaving the house again but the actual amount of people that it helped it was completely worth it and then also it got a weird side to it because i ended up on like a a, a a gay tumbler for big hairy men and <laughs> And someone sent me the links to that, and then there was like a a a a a, a gay porn like highlight reel of big men that somehow I appeared in, uh, and someone told me about that. So it got somehow, real, it got, somehow appeared on it. 
somehow. Well, no, so people took the clips offline and edited it into like a montage. <laughs> and I don't know how that you know, comes about. Are you just there at home going, ah, okay. I, I, maybe I am attractive to some people. That's a good sign. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> So, what did you learn from that experience? What was the biggest like takeaway thing that that you took personally from it? Uh, on a positive note, I would say personally, I took uh, a lot of people are insecure and vulnerable, and you don't know who is and who isn't. Because I had a lot of friends mm. come up to me going, "Mate, I would never have had the balls to do that," and you're like, "Oh, oh, okay." And so it was really nice and heartwarming, you know. Often in times, I, I suffer from depression. I always think people mm. think the worst of you. And yeah. actually, that's not always the case. Some people are just more worried about themselves. Yeah. Okay. And what other things have you been, have you done on the television? Do you do something on a desert island? Have I, or have I met that up in my own head? Uh, so that was the last one I did. It was a big body hotel, which took uh, a group of us fatties to uh, Antigua. Nice. Uh, and we worked on uh, mental health and stuff. Uh, mm. And I'll be honest, wasn't going to do it. I'd, uh, I'd previously done one for the BBC, which was 10 days filming uh, in a house. Great experience. Won an Canadian award. Mm. What a great time. And then this one came along, and it was at the beginning of lockdown. And I was like, hey, we're filming this thing. Uh, we're going to take you to a hotel. Do you want to film it? And I was like, not really. Done two body positivity slash obesity shows. Yeah, body positivity is not my thing. Uh, I don't think. I think it'll get ridiculous the more of these I do. I'm not. Mm. I'm not interested. And then a month later, they ring back. Go right. Uh, I know you said you wasn't interested, but um, we're filming in Antigua, and this was now a month into lockdown. I was like, actually, yeah, I don't, yeah, think I don't mind. Yeah, I don't actually. I still think I'm a bit sad about being fat. So if you want to take me there, that's fine. <laughs> and filming was crazy, man. They took us to Antigua, flew us there luxury so staying in this like five star hotel personal chefs uh paradise i've never seen anything so beautiful yeah. like we had our own little private beach a bay and then they're like oh tell us about being sad and i was like are you kidding me i'm in heaven <laughs> i'm not even sad this is a this is a, this is a pelican <laughs> on my balcony <laughs> like this is i mean i'm seeing like sharks and Barracuda, I'm no, I'm I'm no longer. And then like, oh, can you tell us a bit about me? And you're like, oh, I guess I got a funny with sadness. Okay. You know, that's yeah. why I'm here. Yeah. And how how was it having to phone in sadness? You know, you mentioned oh. yourself if you do suffer from depression and you're being forced to be, a, you know, to. I just talk talked about, about my my experiences. I, you right. know I mean, I, I joke and say, I always every time I did one of these shows, I as much as I'm a comedian and wanted to mess around, yeah. I, I, I did everything honestly and openly mm. because it would be unfair to other contestants doing my half ass. Yeah. Like if I went in there and was just doing jerks and it's unfair to others because, you know, people are opening their hearts as well. Mm. And I don't want to make a jerk of that. Like it's such a big yeah. thing. Cause like it's a life changing show, and you know some of the friends I've made and how their lives are positively positively being affected moving forward from them shows. It's worth it putting your all in, uh, but at the same time, also it was a beautiful place, and I wasn't, you know, it's hard to be sad there. Yeah. So 
And was there another show there? Did you say that you've done three things? Or was that a body, body positivity thing as uh, well? Or was it... Yeah, so... Uh, what was that? I can't even think of the title of the show now, but it was on BBC Two. Yeah. Um, oh, Who Were You Calling Fat? It was called, which is oh. the worst title for a show ever. Yeah. Uh, and it basically took um, eight of us in, and it was uh, on the spectrum of body positivity people to just fat people who are unhappy with themselves. And we put us in a house and we discussed whether you should be happy, health, and stuff like that. And we filmed it over 10 days, and that was actually a really good show mm. um, to be part of. And I think it did a lot of good stuff. Was it quite in an the, intense uh, situation? Yeah, oh, the most intense situation I've ever been in. It was like being in Big Brother because they filmed you from the moment you woke up. The first thing you do was get mic'd to the moment you fell asleep. Yeah. You were mic'd. Uh, and you're like, that's a lot. Like the camera was constantly on you. There was no break. If I wanted to go swim in the pool at this house, yeah. I had to go change into a water mic and then had to make sure our camera crew was there just in case a good conversation. It was the most intense situation I've ever been in and just constantly being on film. And you know, when you watch Big Brother and you see people have a breakdown and you're like, all right, they're acting a bit. I get it. I completely get yeah. it. Yeah. It, it's so intense. And so, um, especially when we're on the subject of, you know, your life, your health, your fitness, mm. it's so emotionally driven and so emotionally exhausting. It's a lot, man. It's such I a imagine. lot. I can imagine like, how do you like, Go from having full privacy, get to a house, and then you've just got no privacy for ten days. That must be, yeah. Take it, a bit of time to like, like adjust. Did you? Did you, you even? Know what, did you even? Have do you know what's time crazy is how quickly you adjust. Mm. It, that's the crazy thing of by day three, I wasn't even thinking about it. I just wake up and go get mic'd. Mm. Like that was my life. And then when I get home and I'm not mic'd, and you're like, oh, this is weird. Like coming home and then being by yourself was a weird loneliness because I'd just been surrounded by a, a cast of eight and a crew of 30 people constantly. And you're like, oh, that was weird. Mm. So it was, uh, but that was a really, it was really well received, got, uh, got really good reviews and won a couple of awards. And uh, it was by the same people that make um, Bake Off, which. I think okay. we should have mixed the shows together at the end. <laughs> hey, you've had a really intense week of being fat, but here's some here's cakes some cake. people in the head. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. So we're, where are we now? We're pretty much in June, um, July, August is upon us, which means it's the Edinburgh Fringe time, a, a really important time for comedians. Um, how do you feel about, you know, having Edinburgh Fringe back? Oh, I'm excited, man. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I can't wait for it. Uh, I, this is like a lot. So I first got this in 2001, mm. no, 2000, 2021. Uh, I got part of the best in class. Mm. Uh, is it 20 or maybe 2020? Um, either way, we went into lockdown before I got to go to Edinburgh. Yeah. So it's, it, it was sort of taken away. And I remember, man, before that, I was, I was having the run of my career. It generally felt like I was on the precipice of something. Yeah. Like I was killing gigs, I was making the right progression, and I was like, Edinburgh is going to be life changing for me, and it's going to change. And then lockdown stole all that, and you know things have slowly come back, and we're still clawing away. Mm. And now instead of thinking, 
oh, this Edinburgh is going to be my year. I'm thinking this Edinburgh is a reward. I'm like, I'm going to have a great time yeah. and be surrounded by some great comedians. And that's a treat for me. So for anybody that doesn't know what, what the best of class group is, we, on RGM, we covered the last Edinburgh Fringe and Fran Garrity, uh, who we yeah. had on the podcast on a previous episode, if you want to enjoy Fran's work as well, guys. Don't um, though, he's, he's, <laughs> honestly, we talk about opinionated assholes in the industry <laughs> and Fran Garrity is probably the worst. No, Fran Garrity is the nicest guy I've ever I met. And I absolutely love him. And he's one of them, like, if I left comedy today, I would still socially be in touch with Fran Garrity. Like, I, I think he's amazing. I can't think of anyone I'm happy to see when I'm in a gig with him. It's, it's absolutely great, and 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 the the um, the best of class. It's is it six comedians or more? Six? Eight. 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 And you yeah. and, and do you all um, like do a night and all, all support each other? And one person headlines, and then you swap round the next day. And uh, just, just so talk us through what the group, experience is. So I believe we do it in groups of three. So right. there'll be uh, three acts each doing twenty minutes. Mm. You got an MC and then two acts doing twenty minutes. And essentially, we, we switch. Yeah. Uh, so we, I think I, it, it works on our schedule because, unfortunately, being working class doesn't mean means we don't have the luxury of being able to go for the whole month. Mm. Uh, because, you know, we've got jobs, we've got things to maintain, we've got... And Edinburgh you know, is fucking ridiculously expensive anyway. Crazy. Even, even for people that are well off it, you're still struggling. Stu- especially this year as well. Prices have skyrocketed. But what you would pay for... Uh, ha- I mean, I was going in 2020... And it was looking like a grand for accommodation for the month. And now you're looking at two grand. Like that's how fast it's gone up. And people have to pay these prices because sadly Edinburgh is the star maker. Mm. You can get away not working in London. You can get, but if you want to be seen by the right people or want to network, Edinburgh is where you have to go. Mm. It's just got that grasp on the comedy industry and it's not fair, but you've just got to do it. That's it's sometimes you've got to play the pipers, right? Yeah. So yeah, um, I'll be going for 10 days, I think. And then, uh, doing 10 day run for them. And then other people sort of filling on the schedules and stuff like that. Um, but we've got some absolute great acts this year. Um, very excited. And um, two of them, I would consider friends as well. We've got Anna Thomas, who just won uh BBC newcomer of the year. And we got uh, Lufta Barbega, who, like Fran, is also just one of the nicest guys in the industry. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I, you know, Edinburgh, it must be quite a daunting thing. Is it? Is it? Do you do it late at night? Because I know shows, like, come on at, like, two in the morning and that kind of stuff, don't you? Do you know what slot and what kind of... of like, uh, yeah, so it's... Uh, I believe it's... Oh, we might actually have to hold... No, I think it's, like, 8.45 on the okay. night. Uh, and, yeah. and Shan Davis, who's organised all this, has took so much pressure off the app. Yeah. Uh, like I can't shout out Shan. You know, she she essentially created this initiative for herself. She's she's helping working class comics sort of get the press yeah. and the recognition that they work. Because we can talk about comedy all you want and who's right and who's wrong, but there is definitely a class divide that makes comedy a lot harder for working class people. Yeah. And she, you know, she works her butt off to make sure she can help them. And she doesn't have to. Here's the thing: Shan's brilliant. Shan can focus on her own career and she will have a marvellous career. She's got a marvellous career, but she takes her time and chooses to help people. And that's such a rewarding thing for her to do. And, you know, that you talk about nice people, you've got to mention that. That's crazy that you, she does that. Well, and in the description, full respect for her. Brilliant. Well, in the description of this podcast, we'll put a link to it. Uh, it's just so yeah. people can invest and have a look and have a nosy. And, you know, if you're in it, if you're on the way up, up into Edinburgh and you're looking for stuff to do, 
tick, tick this one on your list, go and see everybody. And it sounds like a great initiative. I know Fran really enjoyed it. Fran actually did some, he did like a, a comedy diary of his time up there in Edinburgh. Um, right. So if you, if, you, if, you, if you, I don't want to put you on the spot or anything, if you'd like to do a similar, similar kind of thing for RGM, Jed, you're very much, very welcome to 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 add to our comedy uh, content uh, up in Edinburgh. Yeah, absolutely, that sounds good. <laughs> you don't have to answer now, mate. I don't want to put I, you on I'll the I'll be honest, I'm not a great writer, so it'll be like, yeah. oh, I got a meal deal from <laughs> Sainsbury's, uh, went with uh, Chicken Caesar today, and uh, got, a, got a smoothie, £2.50, <laughs> uh, and the meal deal was really quick. Well, that's all uh, Fran did. He just had a picture with Phil Mitchell yeah, and that were about yeah. it. Gig went okay. <laughs> Love you, pie. That would be it. every day. Every day would be like I could tell you more about my meal deal than the gig. <laughs> it were great. It were great to see because it, it was the first time that we covered uh, Edinburgh. We had um, Matt Kinlick uh, Fong. He were writing for us as well. We had yeah. uh, from UK Sound Advice people. They were covering the gigs up there, and and it, we we had people reviewing the gigs and and some of the comedians were putting five. You know when they put five stars on the shows and stuff yeah. and advertise up there. RGM were on there giving a, giving the show five stars, and I was just oh, well, I was, I'm, I'm just really pleased to have a presence there. It was great. What's that, mate? I'm going to review. Then I'm just going to be like five stars, RGM. <laughs> well, yeah, there, there you go. Use it. It's great. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, what I, I always say yeah. that the amount of times comedians come to me and be like, oh, I need a, a, a quote for my thing. I'm like, write what you want. Yeah. Uh, I'm the director of the whole comedy festival. Just put the whole comedy festival. <laughs> uh, if anyone goes, did you say this? I'll go, yeah. That is simply as that. that is- well, I wanted to touch on Hall as well, just before we, uh, before we close today, guys. Um, so yeah, a director of whole comedy. Is it festival? Yeah. Yeah. So how did that like start? How did you like, Get into that. Well, in fact, let me guess. Uh, comedians find uh, when comedians start off, it's hard to get gigs and to get your name out there. So people create their own things. Was it a similar kind of thing for you, or am I just barking up the wrong tree? There? Um. Oh, so uh, I mean, it's going for fifteen years, so it's older than my comedy career. Right. Uh, okay. Essentially, someone started it in the hole, mm. uh, and then uh, it would pass on to different promoters eventually, and then one year. Um, it got cancelled. Uh, the promoters decided to pull it for whatever. But I'd already booked in some gigs for the Hull Axe and stuff. Mm. So we wanted to that to go ahead. So we went ahead with the Hilarious Festival because uh, we couldn't get the rights to the Comedy Festival. It's a great name, though. And on the back of that, we got the rights back. And then I, John Gilbert, the creator of the Comedy Festival, worked with him as his creative director. But he doesn't want to do it long term. Mm. So he switched to me to be the director and then i brought on my friend uh, and comedian fellow comedian gary jennison he came with my creative director mm. and we've had it for four years five years now yeah. um but i am weirdly i'm going to be stepping back soon uh, i want to take more of a a consultant role mm. just so i can focus on gigging myself but yeah, yeah sure. that's been a great run and you know we've had some great shows and we've given opportunities to acts that would have never got it you know when the big bonus arena opened in Hull, we were we were one of the first two shows in there. Like I'm the, I was the first comedian to play bonus arena, and that's crazy to say. Yeah. So stuff like that was you know a great opportunity for us to do, and we've had some absolute great times with it. But I think yeah, I think my time to run it is sort of past me now, and I just kind yeah. of want to step back and focus on my own career because you can get distracted with stuff like that, and it is great. But at the same time, you're like ah. Oh, I need to focus where I'm going. Yeah, 
Yeah, too right. And I, I like to end, particularly when I'm speaking to a comedian, I like to end the interview just by asking who else, uh, name us some names, some some people only up in the comedy industry that, that you've enjoyed the work, just so we can share the love a bit uh, with other fellow comedians out there. Who's who's doing well out there? Who, who deserves a shout out at the minute, do you reckon? Um, so all my best in class friends, that, yes. that's all of them. You can okay. find them on the website. That's yes. the best stuff. Uh, me personally, um, in the whole, we've got uh, Andy Wilson. I think he's finally getting his act together, and he, I think he could be a breakthrough act if he focuses his career. Um, there's people like Harriet Dyer, we mentioned her. Mm. Uh, I recently gigged with Danny Deegan, who may be my favorite person to gig with in the world. Mm. Uh, it's always a pleasure to gig with him. Uh, there's folks like uh, Callum Oakley, Jack Gledo. Uh, honestly, I'll get mad because we'll come off this and we'll forget to yes. mention some people. And then I'll get a message going, well, why didn't I get a shower? But um, genuinely, if you, the best thing yeah. I can recommend anyone do, go to your local open mic, go yeah. to your local new act night, yeah. find a new app, follow them, give them all the love and support, and you'll be rewarded in the end because, yeah. you know, getting to watch the acts grow. I mean, you're from Sheffield. I'm sure there's loads of people going, I was there when the, the Arctic Monkeys first started playing, and and you know you can be there going. I say it all the time. I'm like, whenever a new act, new material, I'm like, I can't believe it. In ten years' time, you're going to be able to say, "Oh wow, I can't believe I saw them for free in the back room of that pub." But also in ten years' time, you can you can also say, "I can't believe I can still see Jed Salisbury for free in the back of that." Pub. <laughs> Well, what I can actually say is that the Arctic Monkeys supported my gig, the first ever gig that they played at the Grapes in Sheffield. There you go. Thanks Stay for bringing that up, time. mate. And I've You're dined welcome. on that story for 15 years, and, it's, uh, oh, and I'll never get bored of it. <laughs> Brilliant. So, I bumped into Blondie once, and it's my only interesting oh, well. story. <laughs> Jed, mate, really appreciate your time, spending uh, your time with us today. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to share with the world just before we uh, move on and enjoy the rest of our days? Um. No, no, that's it. Have yeah. a good day. Have yeah. a lovely day. Yeah, Whatever you're doing, have a sweet time. Nice. Um, uh, and enjoy yourselves. Yeah. And don't get so bitter about other people or worried what other people are doing. If you don't enjoy it, just switch over. That's the easiest thing. Wise words, my friend. Wise words. Jed, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate your time. Uh, and thanks again. And enjoy Edinburgh, mate. Thank you very much, man. Thanks, uh, mate. I'm looking forward to seeing the podcast and looking at the rest of the magazine and stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah, thanks, Jed. I think we put the world to rights a little bit there on that one. As always. It's fascinating. It fascinates me, cancel culture and world culture, and how people think they've got a right to to try and cancel you just because they don't agree with what you're talking about. It's bullshit. I'll always stand up against that shit, me. I'm not having it. Uh, But anyway, thanks for joining us for that great chat with Jed catch him on his tour the link to all his stuff that he's doing we've put in the description of this podcast invest in Jed pop out to a comedy club best thing like like you said in the interview is to, you know if you want to support comedy and you want to go out and enjoy yourself just pop out to your local comedy store uh, your comedy venue wherever you are in the country in the world just pop out there and support local comedians on there it's just a great night out yeah, and think, imagine that. Imagine on your way to being filmed for the BBC and you know you're going to be nude. I just still can't get my head around getting involved with that. 
Very brave man, Jed. Very brave man. Uh, but yeah, thanks for joining us, Jed Salesbury. As I say, all the links on the podcast are in the description of this thing. Do leave us a uh, a review as well. You can do it on Amazon now. You can do it on Apple, iTunes, on Spotify. You can click the little star on there. That uh, means that you've enjoyed the show. It helps us out. It's boring to say out loud, but we'd really appreciate it if you could help us out with that, guys, because it does help the, the algorithms. Um, also, follow us on Twitter at RGMPod. That's where all the latest news of the podcast is announced. Uh, subscribe on the YouTube channel. All the video versions of the uh, the, appoint- uh, the appointments, the uh, the video uh, interviews that we do, they're all based there on lovely YouTube. And also, we treated you this week. We brought out the video version with the Lathams as well, just to surprise you with bonus content. Just because we think you're special and you deserve it. Yeah, thanks for joining us again, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back next week. My name's Carl Malone. This is the podcast. You know what it's all about by now. Delve into the archives, as always. Loads of guests, and if you've enjoyed this podcast, you'll definitely enjoy a lot more that's out there. Tell your friends. Help us out. Word of mouth. You can can tell people to do stuff, like through the magazine and stuff, but there's nothing more powerful than word of mouth, particularly with podcasts for some reason. Um, So, yeah. Tell a friend. Pop it on the lads. WhatsApp group and we will see you next week thank you welcome to RGM are you in a band? come and join us simply click on the RGM submission page submit your music and we'll sort the rest be a part of it with Scott's menswear the go-to destination for sports fashion. With a reputation spanning over 30 years, Scott's has a mega brand catalogue featuring Adidas Originals, Nike, Fred Perry, Pretty Green, and many more. Here at RGM, we love the support that they offer us and the music-loving community around us. Check them out at scottsmenswear.com. Hello. Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe. Tell a friend about our show. And thank you for your support. And we'll see you next week.